Amen. Thank you, Brother Rob. Heavenly Father, I thank you for church and your word, and we come now to the preaching of your word. I ask, Lord, that you would uh, fill me with your spirit, that I may accomplish uh, the work that you've given me to do this morning. I pray that you'd help us in our listening, that we would hunger to hear, to do. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I'm preaching this morning on the subject of the benefits of having a vision for the world. The benefits of having a vision for the world. Verse number 15 is my text verse. And here the Lord Jesus repeats what is given in every gospel and again in Acts chapter 1 where he says, And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That is the text. The context of this verse is the fact that Christ has risen from the grave. There were some who came to the sepulcher and saw that he had risen. They had heard the message of the angels and they began to tell other people Christ is alive he has risen. You'll notice in verse number 11, the Bible says at the end of that verse, and had been seen of her, believed not. They didn't believe Mary that told them that Christ was alive. The next passage refers to another story where he appears uh, to two men uh, as they walked and went into the country. And the Bible says, of course, they believed and they went and told unto the residue. And then it said, neither believed they them. And then the context continues in verse number 14. After that, after Mary, after the two men and their witness, uh, and they believed not, the Bible says, he appeared unto the eleven as they sat at meat. Notice the wording of this passage of Scripture. And the Bible says, and upbraided them. You say, what does that mean? Well, it's not a compliment. Upbraided meant that he scolded them. You don't have the right faith. You don't have the right attitude. You don't have the right behavior. The Bible said he upbraided them with their unbelief, notice this, and hardness of heart. They did not let the resurrection of Christ penetrate to the stirring and the emotions of their heart because it was hardened. Now it was to that crowd of those that were in unbelief and a hardness of heart that he gave the great commission to go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. I've been preaching on vision this year. Last month we talked about a vision for our church and the building and what it was and that we would and that we would see not what we could do for God, but we would see ourselves through God's eyes of what he could do with us, with our lives. Today I want to preach on the subject of the benefits of seeing or having a vision of the world. I'm going to give you this statement. He gave his disciples a command that was huge, a, dis, a, a command that is a bit overwhelming. 
Go ye into all the world. He doesn't say go ye into all the world as a tourist or a traveler, a thrill seeker or a sight seeker. But he said, I want you to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Get this statement. That takes a vision greater than man's ability and we must see that through God's eyes and ability or we will dismiss ourselves and say, well, he's certainly not talking to me because there's no way I could go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. So for this to be a possibility, we have to see this through God's eyes. We have to see this through God's ability. It's interesting to me and I understand very well where the Bible says that Jesus came to the whole world. I understand that. I understand that Jesus came so that the whole world could know him as Savior. Would you agree with that? He did. He came to the whole world. Uh, John said in verse number 9 of the first chapter that he was the true light. And the Bible said that he lighteth every man that cometh into the world. Verse 29, John said, Behold, uh, the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. The Bible says in John chapter 3, and you know the verse in verse number 16, For God so loved the world. Uh, boy, you, you, you have to have a mind that's bigger than mine. You have to have an understanding that's greater than ours to even understand and comprehend. For God loved the whole world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have uh, uh, everlasting life. Verse number 17, For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved. Now I can understand God coming to the whole world. I can understand God paying for the sins of the whole world. I can understand God being a light to the whole world. However, for man to take the gospel to the whole world, it's overwhelming to me. It seems impossible to me. And unless I see that or understand that through God's eyes, we'll dismiss our responsibility of having not only a vision, but having a burden for the world to hear the gospel. Let me share with you a thought I've had all of my ministry since uh, 1986 when I was ordained in April of 1986. I've often wondered why God didn't call me to the mission field. I've often wondered. I often thought he would. I often wondered, Lord, uh, why uh, have you not called me to preach to people who have never heard heard the gospel now I know the answer to that question and I, I, I've, I've wondered it often and I believe without any shadow of doubt that God has called me not only to be a pastor here in America and here in this church and here in this town so that people in America beginning in our church can have a vision for the world I believe God's called me to be a pastor. I know that God has called me to a pastor. And I know that God has called me to help train young men for the ministry, taking the gospel to the world. The final words of the Lord Jesus just before he ascended, I'm not talking about his final words, uh, before he was crucified on the cross because he rose again from the grave when he was crucified. But before he ascended, he said this, But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me. 
uh, unto me in both Jerusalem and all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. In every gospel, he made a statement like that. Now, God does not want man to perish. He wants men to have, mankind, when I say men, I mean mankind. God wants mankind to know if they'll put their faith and trust in him, they can have eternal life. God wants the whole world to know that. He's given you and I the responsibility of sharing the good news. Now, you and I need to have, you and I should have a vision for the world to hear the gospel. I want you to think of this statement. Most of the world, most of the world is lost and unsaved in their faith because they place their faith in something or someone that cannot give them eternal life. How sad it is for folks to be lost in faith because it is not faith that saves, it is faith in Christ. He is salvation. Our faith in Him. Now, when Jesus gave these commands and he repeated them in the Gospels and in the book of Acts, he was not speaking to everyone. He was speaking to those who have received him as Savior. If you and I would have been present in that day, we would have been ones that he was speaking directly to. However, we are here today. We do have the Word of God, and he is speaking directly to us. It is our responsibility that the world hear the Gospel of Christ. And I could give a lot of statistics about how many people there are in the world and people groups. And Brother Jared taught our Sunday school lesson this morning. And, I'm not, and, and he mentioned some of those numbers. But I just want to, in this message, point out the fact that God wants us to see the need for the gospel being preached here and around the world. And I want us to see the purpose of the message is to see the benefits of us having a vision and a burden for the world. There are three statements I want to give this morning. I'll preach more on this as we go through the month, but I want to give you three benefits that I benefit, you benefit from by having a burden for the world to hear the gospel. Number one, a burden for others helps put our burdens in perspective. A burden for others helps put our burdens in perspective. Now, everyone has burdens. We all do. As I've prayed for so many of you this week and prayed specifically for your prayer request and for your needs, I know we all have burdens. There are hurting people even as we sit here in church this morning. And many have wept in the night this week due to the burden of their lives. But when I look at my burden, when I look at our burdens in perspective of others' burdens and the fact that many people of the 7.8 billion people in the world have never heard the gospel of Christ, it is like taking my bucket of burdens and pouring them into the lake. Now, I'm not diminishing in our, our burdens, but I want to tell you something. It's selfish Christianity just to focus on our burdens in life. 
It is selfish Christianity when all we think about is me. Sometimes we have to go to the word of God and we have to be reminded as Jesus did the disciples, lift up your eyes, men, and look at the harvest. It's ripe unto harvest. The harvest is, is great, but the laborers are few. I want you today that, to realize that around us, in our town, in our state, in our nation, and certainly in our world, there are those that have burdens even far greater than ours. I'm not taking away our burden. I'm not trying to do that. I'm just saying, let's look at our burden in perspective to the burdens around the world. I spent time this week praying for a young mother who gave birth to a stillborn child in the fifth month. She was excited about the birth of a new child coming into their family. They instead, at five months, gave birth to a stillborn child. I was talking to my brother Chris this week. He was driving and he was on his uh, speakerphone in his car, in his truck, and he said, uh, he said, hey, hold on a minute. There's a man over here walking in the road. I know who he is. He's drunk. He's going to get run over. And uh, he said, hold on a second. He turned around, and I just, I just listened as he drove up, rolled the window down. He called the man by name. He said, why don't you get in? Let me take you home. You're going to get, you're going to get hurt out here on the road drunk. I heard the man thank my brother and tell him he was all right and you could tell uh, that he was intoxicated and, and uh, can I tell you that's somebody's son, brother. You and I have burdens but sometimes we'll look up and realize hey other people do too. I know of Bible college students in the Philippines that were rejoicing in an answer to prayer last year and again this year that they got mattresses to lay on the concrete floor to sleep rather than just a blanket to sleep. I'm not trying to give you a guilt trip this morning. I'm just saying you and I are not the only people that have burdens. There are folks around the world that have never heard the name of Christ. And I, I, I think it's sad that in many places in a, in, in a college setting, if a professor talks about Christ, that, that there's oftentimes problems and threats of lawsuits. They say, you're shoving religion down our throat. You can't do that. And sadly, to see a coach pace the sideline, taking the very name that gives salvation and cursing that name not to be able to teach who he was or what he came for, but to curse his name. By the way, even the heathen recognize the highest name that's ever been spoken is the name of Christ. Even the heathen recognize that he is the King of kings and Lord of lords. For when they curse, they don't use anybody else's name. They use the name of an almighty God. I'll never forget the first time my wife and I went to Mexico. We went to a conference there in Monterey, Mexico. And I'll never forget as we drove, as we saw children and families living in cardboard huts of houses and seeing children standing with a package of gum, selling it by the piece, trying to earn or make another peso so they could eat. That's what's in our world today. 
A missionary friend of mine had to flee his country because of Muslim soldiers coming into their village to kill Christians. Two weeks ago, I talked to a missionary who said when he preached in a village in Africa, there were only women and children because the older boys and men had gone to war and the biggest concern they had is knowing whether their fathers or sons had died or lived and they're waiting to hear. I'm not preaching this morning to make us feel bad and say, I wish I hadn't gone to church today. I'm just saying, we do have burdens. But we need to recognize there is a world and many of the world have never heard the name of Christ and the fact that Jesus came to give them eternal life. And it helps to put my burdens in perspective. As I talked to Brother Davis, who spent a week in the Philippines with Brother Dallas a couple of weeks ago, he talked about, and, and, and he spoke with a broken heart from what he saw, and he talked about, preacher, we're so blessed in America. We have so much. There's nothing wrong with that, but there's something wrong with being selfish with it. There's nothing wrong with being blessed. God didn't give us blessing just so that we could see how many we could uh, pile up. God gave us blessing and he gave us ability and talent that we may be able to fulfill what God has said to take the gospel and preach it to every creature in the world. Sometimes God needs to get our attention to realize that there are folks that have needs in need of the gospel. I told a story about three years ago of two boys, brothers. They were going to cross a street. One brother was a crippled boy. And as they began to cross the street, uh, the boy, he fell. And his brother was trying to help him up. And he had a fear that he'd be run over by a car. He tried to get the attention of the people that, as they would pass by. As he tried to shield his brother from being hurt. And uh, he couldn't get anybody to stop. And so he took a, a piece of a brick and he threw it at the next car and he hit the car. When he hit the car, the man slammed on the brakes. He got out of his car. He began to scream and yell, what in the world are you doing? Do you realize what kind of car and the price I paid? The boy stood there with tears streaming down his face. He said, sir, I'm sorry. I just didn't want somebody to run over my brother. Can I tell you something? We're oftentimes in too big of a hurry, too wrapped up in what we have to realize there are those that are hurting and those that are crippled by the fall of sin. And somebody needs to stop and say wait just a minute I need to take time out and do something about helping others that have burdens like I do a burden I, I, I'm sorry a vision helps me to put my burden in perspective second of all and very similar a burden for others takes the focus off ourselves. Can I tell you one of the great reasons that there, is, that there is a frustration in our lives is because we focus so much on who we are and what we want rather than seeing needs around us. We're plagued with a narcissistic attitude and behavior today. It sees the world and what I want rather than what God wants me to see. 
We can't come to the place that we think everybody exists to make me happy. Everybody exists to do what I want to do. And that's why there's a fussing and frustrations and arguments that go on in our world today. The Bible talks about the contention among men as a result of the pride of mankind. And our pride comes with what we have compared to what another has. And have we come to the place in America that, that that's what motivates our living so we can be better than someone to have a bigger house a nicer car or more things can I tell you that's not what brings joy and happiness uh, but a burden for others helps us take the focus off of ourselves one of the great biographies of the world one of the great stories of the world is of the Englishman William Booth William Booth was the founder of what became known as the Salvation Army. Now, he didn't say, I want to start the Salvation Army. But he became known as the general, General William Booth of the Salvation Army. And all of it came about because of his recognition, not only of poverty, but of men without Christ. Not only the poor, but the effects of sin on mankind, great and small. He once wrote that the citizens of the civilized world are not any better off than those uneducated and living in poverty. Sin brings the same result to all. He said the only hope for these people because I see those that have nothing, I see those that have everything, the effect of sin is the same on the both, so it's not an environment I need to change. What they need is Christ. They need, to, they need the new nature. They need Christ living in them. They need salvation. He became a Methodist preacher, but every year he was frustrated. They kept assigning him to a church as a pastor. He, he, he wanted to win people to Christ. He wanted to see folks saved and he saw the multitudes of people and then he would go to church on Sunday morning and see just a handful of folks oftentimes just satisfied with who they were and what they were doing and yet his, his heart was broken. He, he, would, he would go in the week and he would minister to the folks on the outside but, but was tied to the responsibilities as a pastor. He came to the place that he was spending more time spreading the gospel of salvation they did pastoring his church and so they kicked him out of the Methodist convention that he was a part of in the early 1800s in England. He faced ridicule and opposition. He became unliked by the political and educated of the day. But he had such a desire to get salvation story to everyone, to get everyone to believe in Christ for salvation, both poor and wealthy, both educated and uneducated. And he began to train a large number of people that became a part of his effort to win people to Christ. He'd start, he started setting up tents and preaching in open air meetings. And that crowd of people became known as an army of people. And because of their purpose was to get salvation to lost men, it became known as the salvation army they won a multitude of people to Christ in England and their work also affected America it came time for their annual convention in England but General William Booth had lost his eyesight he lost his ability physically to travel when nearly 10,000 people came to the convention that year to find out General Booth would not be there they were disappointed 
There was a sadness that went across the convention hall that they would not hear from their beloved General William Booth. A man stood up and beckoned their attention. He said, I've received a telegram from General Booth to be read. The folks were revived in their spirit and they stood in attention to hear as a man went to the podium to open and read the telegram that General William Booth had written. He opened it and he said, Others, General William Booth, one word, others. It would do us good to take the focus off ourselves. Now, I understand we have responsibility. Understand that. But we can't live life just thinking about how I feel, what I want. Whether I'm comfortable, whether everything is just to suit me or I'm going to go someplace else. Some point in time in our Christian life, we have to understand Christianity is about others. William Booth died at the age of 83 at his home in Hadleywood, London. At the three-day lying and stayed at Clapton Congress Hall, 150,000 people filed past his casket. And on August 27, 1912, Booth's funeral service was held at London's Olympia where 40,000 people attended. The crowd included Queen Mary who sat almost unrecognized far to the rear of the great hall. The following day, Booth's funeral procession set out from international uh, headquarters and as his, uh, the procession of his body going to the place where uh, he would be buried, 10,000 uniformed salvationists fell in behind. One man with a burden not to build an empire for himself, but to live a life for others. To hear one story, Christ died to pay for your sin. A vision for the world helps us to put our burdens in perspective. A vision for the world helps us to see not just ourselves, but I say last of all, a burden for others gives a joy and even a happiness that nothing else could give. There are many activities that we enjoy in life, but there are few things that bring joy in our hearts. I say there's nothing that brings joy to the heart of a Christian quite like sharing the gospel and having another receive Christ as Savior. As I went through the gospel this, this week with several people, one man, he said, I want to do that. I want to know Christ as Savior, bowed his head and trusted Christ as Savior. The joy that comes from hearing someone pray the sinner's prayer to become a born-again child of God gives a joy that nothing else can give. A little more than 10 years ago, a young teenager came to America from Mexico to visit family. His cousins were attending our church. He came in the summer and he found out that they were going to camp. They were going to Circle C Baptist Ranch. In those days, we didn't have a 300-seat cafeteria or 
chapel or, in fact, we just had tents. <laughs> That's how we started. Seemed like it rained from May to August those first two or three years. That young man that came from Mexico to visit his cousins, he went to camp just to see them. He had gone to church as a boy and been in a Baptist church and knew the gospel and had received Christ as Savior. But when he was at camp that week, he heard Brother Smith preach and preached a very simple sermon and talked about, have you ever thought about you giving your life to God and helping others know Christ as Savior? He took, that, he took that question so serious, he sat there and he pondered and he pondered. I've never thought about giving my life to God. I've never had that thought. Came time for the invitation at the end of the message, he said, I, I believe I will. I believe I'll give God my life. And so he came to the front and he got on his knees and he said, Lord, I want to give me to you. I want to do whatever you want me to do. He got his visa to attend school and he enrolled at Commonwealth Baptist College. He attended three years, the fourth year. He had flown from Leon, Mexico to Atlanta, or maybe he was just getting on the flight there at Leon to come to Atlanta, and then Lexington, Atlanta is purgatory. It's uh, where most of us will have to stop for a layover before we go to heaven. But anyway, when he, when he gave them his ticket and they scanned it, they said, I'm sorry, but you can't, but you can't go back to America. He said, why? I have a visa. And they said, well, the, 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 the authorities have not approved you to return. He went to a telephone uh, there in the airport and he called me. He was crying. He said, preacher, they not let me come back. They, 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 they told me I can't come back. And I said, why? He said, I don't know why. He was crying. Preacher, what should I do? I said, go ahead and start a church like you'd planned to. You're just one year from graduation. He'd learned to be a tremendous witness and soul winner. He'd won many people to Christ. I'll never forget when I went to visit him. And I walked in that church. And it was, it was so full. I mean, there was hardly a path to walk through. By the time I got up to preach, not only was the building full, they'd opened both doors, and they had, the, the crowd had gathered even in the street, and they set out extra speakers for folks in the street to hear me preach. All that came about because one fellow considered the world one time rather than self. I could tell you a lot of things I've enjoyed in life. I couldn't tell you anything that ever brought me any more joy and not only there, but now young men around the nation and in other countries. I sat with one of our boys that's graduating from our college. And I asked him in the last few weeks, I said, what do you plan to do? He said, I was, I was born in America, but my parents were born in Mexico. He said, God's given me a burden to go back to the place where my parents were born. He said, when I go, I can't ever come back again. But I want to go because I want them to know. I want them to know what my mom and dad found out by two people at Clays Mill Baptist Church knocking on their door and telling them about Christ. He said, they've raised me in church. 
But he said, there's no gospel witness in the city where my parents came from. There's a lot of places you can look for happiness in this world. But if you want to know joy, you have to lift your eyes beyond yourself and see the needs of others. Stand with me, if you will, this morning, Heavenly Father. I've cried tears this week praying for many prayer requests from our church. Lord, I prayed for a mother as she gave birth to a stillborn baby. I prayed for parents of a newborn child that was sick with the flu that the Lord would touch that child. I prayed for a young lady in the hospital who has attempted suicide. So many burdens here. And Lord, I pray that there's in no way of high diminished our burden or our care for one another. We love one another. We care for one another. But sometimes, Lord, we get so self-centered, we only think about ourselves. I pray, Holy Spirit of God, you'd help us to hear the words of the Lord Jesus as he, spake, as he spake. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. May we have a burden for those around us. May our church and its work continue that we may train young men and young ladies to take the gospel around the world. Bless, I pray, our invitation this morning in Jesus' name. Amen.